you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like for you to take them and turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 8. 2 Kings chapter 8, and while you're turning, I, I just, I have a message from the Lord for somebody today. Are you ready to receive it? I want you to hear this. God loves you. I mean, he loves you. You are the apple of his eye. You know, so many times in life, it is easy to think that God couldn't care less about us, that he is so very far away from us. But I believe the Lord wanted me to tell you today that he is aware of everything that you're facing in your life, and he has it, he's got your back, and he loves you with an endless and a faithful love. So I thought you ought to be encouraged by that today. It's good to know that God loves us. Numbers chapter 8, I want to read to you a passage of scripture that you've probably studied before. It's, it's there and you've probably heard preachers preach about it and talk about it before. Uh, but this morning, I, I just want to talk to you for a few minutes about this idea that God loves us all the time. His love is faithful. I mean, he never changes in his opinion of you or me. He loves you. He is love. He doesn't just love, but he is love. And so anytime that God is working in our lives in whatever way that might be, you can be assured that God is doing what he's doing because he loves you. He's not out to get you. That's the other crook. That, that's the devil. He's the one who's out to kill you and steal from you and destroy from you. But that's not God's role for you. He loves you with an everlasting and a faithful love. So I want us to read this passage of Scripture today, and I'm going to share three observations that I think the Holy Spirit dropped in my uh, spirit this week. And, and, and hopefully, and I believe, they will be an encouragement to you. Beginning at verse 1, chapter 8, 2 Kings. It says, now Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, arise and depart with your household and sojourn wherever you can. For the Lord has called for a famine and it will come upon the land for seven years. So the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God. She went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines for seven years. And at the end of the seven years, when the woman returned from the land of the Philistines, she went to appeal to the king for her house and her land. Now the king was talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, Tell me about all the great things that Elisha has done. And while he was telling the king how Elisha had restored the dead to life, behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life appealed to the king for her house and her land. And Gehazi said, My lord, O king, here is the woman, and here is her son whom Elisha restored to life. And when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed an official for her, 
saying, I want you to restore all that was hers together with all the produce of the fields from the day that she left until now. Father, thank you for your word today. I could probably sit right down right now and there are people who could leave now knowing that they've been ministered to by the word of God because your word is powerful. It's quick. It's two-edged. It, it absolutely cuts right to the chase and does in our lives what needs to be done. Lord, if we can ever get in our spirits that the word of God is our power, it, it, is, it, it is what we use to combat the enemy. And Lord, our lives could be very different today in many instances. And Lord, today I pray that you'll help me to uh, speak effectively today, to, to be anointed. I know that I am anointed by your word and, and by your promises. And as I speak today, it will represent your word to the hearts of your people. And I, I believe you're going to do a great work in the lives of some people this morning that they've been going through some difficult times and they're beginning to wonder when it will ever be over. And in the midst of this, are you there, God? And do you love them? And do you care about them? And I, and I pray that before we leave this house today, that, that it will be restored in their mind that I serve a God who loves me even more than I can imagine. And he loves me in every stage of my life. Anoint their ears to hear today. I ask it in Jesus' lovely name. Amen. High five your neighbor and say, I'm ready. How about you? Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, life is cyclical. You know that, right? That, that means it kind of just goes around and comes around and goes around and comes around. A couple of weeks ago, it might have been last week, I, I, I preached to you about this idea of there are times when we just need to circle back to what we know is truth. Some, sometimes we get so far away from the basic truths of the Word of God that we sometimes find ourselves away and we have to circle back. This week, uh, my wife was in the basement and doing laundry and, and working down there and I heard she had the little uh, the boom box turned on and, and, and she was playing some music pretty loud. I could hear it all the way upstairs and I was kind of, she was downstairs just jamming and I was upstairs dancing and we were having a good time and she had selected one of the old four hymn songs that says, we need to get back to the basics of life. I don't know if you remember that song or not, but I, it just struck my spirit that that's what's wrong with so many of us is that we've followed so many different voices and teachers and, and, and some of it's gotten us off track. And I think the Lord really is just trying to bring us back into the basics of the word of God. And, and so as I'm reading this this week and I'm studying this a very familiar passage of Scripture, it, it just begins to dawn on me that throughout all the seasons of life that God never changes His opinion of us. He loves us. Some of the stuff that we go through, we're going to see, was created by His hand. He sometimes causes us to go through difficult times but his motive is never to destroy us, but always to develop us and help us to become the people that he has called us to be. So there are three things I'd like to point out to you this morning about this passage of scripture. And I want to share some things that I think that are not only appropriate to this lady, 
but also to your life and my life as well. The first thing that I want you to know is that God loves us through seasons of famine. God loves us through seasons of famine. Now, I want you to notice it says, Elisha had said to the woman whose son he had restored to life, Arise and depart with your household and sojourn wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and it will come upon the land for seven years. Now, did you catch that the Lord was the source of the famine? The, Elisha was very clear when he said to this lady, the Lord has called for a famine. Let me ask you something this morning. Have you ever been at a place in your life where you could not have been more dry than you were spiritually and in every other way? I mean, you couldn't feel it. You couldn't sing it up. You couldn't pray it up. You couldn't shout it up. You couldn't preach it up. You couldn't get anything to go in the direction where you could experience the joy of the Lord. I mean, you were, as the old timers used to say, you were flat as a flitter. I don't even know what that means, but they used to say it all the time. But I mean, you were just flat. You couldn't feel, you couldn't sense that God was anywhere near. Well, let me explain to you something about this famine. There were, there were two things you need to understand about this famine. First of all, it was ordained of God because he was attempting to discipline Israel for their sin. Israel was not living according to the principles of God's word. They had stepped away from the commandments of God. They were calling themselves the people of God, but they were not living in such a way that it was, that it was evident in their life. They were walking in sin. They were walking outside of the covenant of God. And God is very clear that you cannot say that you're part of the covenant with God and yet live in covenant with the world. You have to give up the covenant with the world in order to walk in covenant with God. But Israel was not doing that. And God had done everything that he knew to do to restore them in relationship with the Father, but it was not working. So God said, I'm not going to destroy them. This famine is not going to be one for destruction, but it is going to be one for development. I'm going to take away the nice things. I'm going to make them work harder. I'm going to make them struggle for the things that they put their hands to because ultimately this famine is designed to bring them back into relationship with me. Did you ever find yourself in a situation where you were living among people that were living in open sin? And their open sin was causing you difficulties. Their open sin was causing you problems. Their open sin was causing you to wonder whether or not you'd ever taste victory again. Can you imagine this lady of Shunem, this woman of Shunem, who is a person of influence, a, a person who was in relationship with God, a, a person who was doing what she needed to do, and yet she walked and lived in the midst of people who were openly living in sin against God. Well, God said to her through the prophet Elisha, 
He said, I want you to get your entire household and I want you to go. He said, you can go wherever you want. I'm amazed by that. He said, I don't really care where you go. You just go wherever you want to go. And he said, sojourn there. He didn't say plan on living the rest of your life there. He didn't say go in there and plan on uh, just making that your lifetime home. He said, just sojourn, just keep moving because I'm putting you there for seven years, but you're not going to be there forever. And it doesn't matter to me where you go because wherever you go, you need to know I am already there. So just go. Well, what was the purpose? The purpose was for her to be saved from the turmoil that Israel was about to go through. Let me tell you something today in both of these instances. Whether it was for the development of Israel because of their sin, or whether it was for the salvation of God's faithful people, what God did by sending this famine was for the good of everyone. God didn't stand up one day and said, I'm just, I'm mad at Israel, so I'm going to kill every last one of them. No, I'm going to put something in their life that will cause them to have to pray more, that will cause them to have to seek my face more, that are going to have to cause them to get some things out of their lives that no longer need to be there. I'm going to bring them back uh, into relationship with me, but hardship is going to be required for that to happen. So for those of you who have walked through famine in your life, there are a few things that you need to ask yourself. Number one, you need to ask yourself, am I representative of Israel or am I representative of the Shunammite woman? you got to be on one side or the other. You can't hang in the middle on the fence row. You're either on one side or the other. And I'm not going to come around. You know, the pastors used to do that all the time. They'd stand and they'd pray and they'd start saying, oh, hallelujah. I've been watching you people. There's a few of you. I've seen what you've been up to. I've looked at your Facebook post and I've been, I drive by your house three or four times a day and I know what you're doing. And bless God, you better get it right with God or I'm going to pray the fire of hell all over you. Aren't you glad that we don't have pastors like that anymore? I just decided I wasn't going to preach like that. I am not your holy policeman. I am representing the word of God to you and training you and teaching you concerning biblical principles that if you will take them, grab them, live according to them, you can have victory in your life. But if you choose not to do that, then I, you know, then I can't help you. All I have to help you with is the Word of God, but the good news is, is this book is good for every situation and circumstance that you'll ever face in your life. <clears throat> so he sent the famine so that he could love Israel back to his bosom. He sent the famine so that he could move the lady into a place of protection so that she would not have to suffer the same consequences as Israel. So first of all, we need to know that God loves us in our seasons of famine. Secondly, before I go to secondly, take your Bibles real quick. Because I know that there's a few of you hard heads out there that you just don't believe that God does stuff like that. Well, grab up your Bible and go over to Psalm chapter 50 with, with me, if you will. Is it okay if we use the Bible in here? I didn't, I, didn't know if you, I didn't know if you would okay that or not. 
Psalm chapter 50, beginning at verse 1. It says, the mighty one, God, the Lord, that word Lord there means Yahweh. He speaks and he summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and he does not keep silent. Before him is a devouring fire around him, a mighty tempest. Now I want you to look at verse 4 real closely. He calls or he summons to the heavens above the earth so that he might judge his people. In verse 5 he says, Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. Now can you not see that that is exactly what God did in 2 Kings chapter 8. He summoned to the earth and he called for and declared a famine for seven years so that he could separate those who were walking outside of covenant. But he said, call unto me my faithful ones so that I can keep them separate. Listen, I'm telling you in your famine times and seasons, God still cares for you. Amen? Second thing you need to know is that he loves us when we live by faith. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I kick against God's ideas. Sometimes I think I've got a better plan than he does. Sometimes I think, you know, God, I, I'm, I'm living the dream right now. You think about this lady here. Now, let me tell you something about this lady. I, I, I studied her quite extensively this week, and I found out something about her that I thought was very interesting, and I'm not sure whether it's true or not, but it could very well be true. There are many scholars who believe that this woman, this Shunammite, was one and the same with Abishag, who we, are, who we are introduced to in the book of Kings. Now you may remember that when King David was getting towards the end of his life, he, he was sickly and he had to stay in bed all the time. And the scripture tells us that he was cold and he could not get warm. So they put a lot of clothing on his body and he still could not get warm. So they covered him with uh, mountains of, of quilts and, and covers, and, and, and he still could not get warm. And so you know the story. They went out and they hired this young woman named Abishag the Shunammite. That was her name. And her whole job was just simply to lay in the bed beside King David and get her body up close to him so that she could transfer her body heat to the king's body. Now, some of you need to get your mind out of the gutter right now. Scripture is very clear that there... Are there any young people in here? I better look real quick. Okay, they're, they're, they're old enough to hear this word. There was nothing sexual going on here. Scripture's very clear about that. Her only job was to get under the covers and lay close enough that she could transfer her body heat to the king. And that's all she did. 
Well, she did that for a while, and then the king died. And, but before the king died, David said, I declare that Solomon will be the king. Well, that made the other brother, Adonijah, mad and angry. He thought he should be the king. He wanted to be the king. And so as a way to get back at Solomon, he came with his mother to ask David before David died, since you have taken the kingship away from me, I have one request, and that one request is, I want you to give me Abishag the Shunammite to be my wife. And Solomon looked at her and he said, today I know that the only thing you care about is taking my kingdom from my hand. Before the sun goes down today, you shall die. And he commanded that his own brother Adonijah be killed so that he could not come against the kingdom of Solomon. So here's this young lady, Abishag. David's dead. Adonijah can't have her. What's she going to do? She just goes on about life, according to these scholars. And she ultimately, ultimately meets someone else. And then a few years later, this prophet by the name of Elisha starts coming through her town. And he's there, and he's prophesying, and he's ministering to people, and he's working miracles by the hand of God. And, and the Shunammite says to her husband, who is then old, says to him, you know, I've noticed that this prophet keeps coming through town and he needs a place to stay. So I would like for us to create a place for him to stay where that he can come, he can have his own bed, he can have his own lampstand, he can have his own light, he can have his own table, he can, and all he has to do is come here and he'll have a place that is his. And the husband agreed and said, let's do it. And so this relationship was built between Elisha and the Shunammite's uh, woman's family. So one day he says, he says, what can I do for you? This is interesting. You need to catch this. Elisha says, do you need me to speak to the king on your behalf? That's important. Said, do you need me to, king, to talk? She said, no, I don't need that at all. I'm fine. I'm living among my own people. I've got everything I need. Life is good. But he found out that she had not had a child. And she was barren. And he said to her, this time next year, you and your husband are going to be holding a child upon your lap. And her womb was opened and she gave birth to a son and he grew. And a few years later, you know the rest of the story. He was out working in the field with his father one day. And he came to his father and he said, I have a, a headache and I'm not feeling well. And so they put him uh, on the donkey and they took him in. And she, he, he laid in his mother's arms, the Shunanite, Shunanite woman's arms and, and he died there. And boy, you know, you want to talk about faith. She got up and she took that corpse of a baby boy and she went over and laid him on the bed of Elisha. And she laid him there and she said to the servants, saddle a donkey and ride me as fast as you can get me to the man of God. And don't you dare let up or slow down unless I tell you to. And they said, what's wrong? And she said, it is well. There is nothing wrong. 
Just get me to the man of God. And when she started to approach the man of God, he could see her coming a long time. And so he says to Gehazi, he said, go out to the woman and find out what is wrong. And when he goes out, he said, what's wrong? And she says, all is well. There's nothing wrong. And so she finally gets to Elisha and the scripture says that she falls at his feet and she grabs a hold of his feet and he says, what's wrong? And she says, nothing's wrong. All is well. But I need you to come and raise my boy back to life. I didn't ask you for this child. I didn't ask for this blessing. But God blessed me this way and it it was spoken out of your mouth as a prophet of God and now I need you to come. And so Elisha, he says, Gehazi, he said, here, take, take take my staff and go and take my staff and lay it upon his face and he will revive. And the woman said, I don't care what you do. I'm not letting go of your feet until you agree to come along with me. He can go do whatever he wants to do, but I'm staying right here until you agree to come with me. And so they started. Gehazi was way ahead. Gehazi got there before Elisha and the Shunammite woman did. And Gehazi put the the rod of God, the, the man of God upon him and nothing happened, nothing at all. And then you know the story, Elisha went in and he saw the dead corpse there and he laid himself upon it, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, ear to ear, hand to hand. And the scripture says uh, that his body began to get warm uh, and he began to breathe uh, and he was alive again because of the power of Almighty God. He was healed uh, and raised to life because of the faith uh, of the Shunammite woman. I told you that long story because I wanted to give you some context. Here she is. She's living the dream. I mean, she's a woman of influence. She's got property. She's got crops. She's got money. By chapter 8, it appears by all historical indications that her husband is dead. And so she owns it all. It is hers. And all of a sudden, the prophet of God shows up one day and says, I've got news for you. You're going to have to leave it all behind in order to follow the will of God for your life. You've got to leave. You've got a sojourn for seven years. Now, see, this is where I would have got a little bit stubborn with God. I would have said, "Uh uh-uh, no way. God, I've worked hard to build up what I have here. I've worked hard to get what I've got. I'm not giving it up for any reason whatsoever. I'm going to stick it out. If I have to go through a little hardship with old stubborn Israelites, I'm just going to sit right here and sit in my lazy boy recliner and just, just enjoy life to the full. But we don't see any arguing. We don't see any anger. We don't see any bitterness. All we see is a woman of faith uh, who got up. The scripture says she rose up. She got her family together and off they went. Where did they go? They went to the land of the Philistines. You know who they are, don't you? They're the bad boys. If you're a UK fan, the U of L people are the Philistines. If you're a U of L fan, the UK people are the Philistines. I mean, they are your enemy. You don't root for anybody. You don't ever root for the Philistines. 
And she said, I think I'll just take a journey through the Philistines. I think I'll just go live with them for a while. She wasn't worried about it because she already had an assurance in her spirit that God was going to take care of her. Now listen closely. She was acting out her faith absent a specific promise from God. Absent a specific... The the man of God didn't say, go there seven years, you'll be okay. You're going to get it all back. Just go over there. He just said, no. He said, there's going to be a famine. You need to get up and you need to leave. No other explanation. She just had to know in her spirit that if God has blessed me all these times and all these years, uh, then this is one more step in the journey. I'm not upset about it. I'm not frustrated about it because God is going to direct my steps. And wherever I go, he is already going to be there. Take your Bibles. Let's use them again. Go over to Psalm chapter 23 because I want to make a point. Listen, there are times when God commands the enemy to take care of his people. There are times that the very people that hate your guts, they don't even know it. But God has commanded them to take care of you. If they knew it, they'd rebel against it. But they're too stupid to even know that they are being used by the hand of God. And they go into the Philistines and they're there for seven years and they just, man, they just go around wherever they want. Every day they eat. Every day they're blessed. How does that happen? Look at Psalm chapter 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff They comfort me. Look at verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup is overflowing. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Man, you're out there wandering around in Philistine land and you're wondering what you're going to do and how God's going to take care of you. And all of a sudden, the Spirit of the Lord commands the enemy to set a table. It's got the nice white tablecloth on it. It's got all the china. It's got all the glasses. It's got the forks and the knives and the spoons. And they say, who are we preparing this meal for? You're preparing this meal for my child. You're preparing this meal for the people of God. God, you are preparing this meal for one that has been your enemy. And you just go in and sit down right in the presence of your enemy and you are fed until your cup is absolutely overflowing and it is all being brought to you courtesy of your enemies. Praise the Lord. 
that old foul, unsaved husband that you live with? He doesn't know it, but every time he brings that check home and puts it in your hand, he's taking care of the needs of the child of God. Let me tell you something. It takes faith to live like this. She could have fought it. I have fought it before. I've told you the story about how that I was pastoring this church and we were growing and God was blessing us having the time of my life. And then, you know, God had a different plan for me and I had to wrestle with him a little bit. I had to argue about him with, with him about it a little bit. And I remember in the middle of the night I was praying. It was probably two or three o'clock in the morning and, I, and I'm wrestling with God. God! Why must I walk away from something that I have worked so hard with you to establish? And he said this to me, and I don't think I'll ever forget this as long as I live. He said, Here, here's, here's the way it is, Rob. I love you, and I'll let you stay right here. And I'll let you work real hard. And you can achieve every dream that you have for your ministry. But if you don't leave here and follow me where I want to take you, you will never fulfill the dream that I have for your ministry. Now listen, when God starts talking like that, you better start listening. I didn't want to do it. But it was that change of direction in my life that ultimately set the stage for the rest of my life and ultimately what brought me to the great city of Louisville to have the privilege to pastor the Spirit Life Church of God. If I had not been willing to obey His voice, I could have never experienced the things that God had in store for me. So He loves you when you live by faith. And finally this morning, he loves us during times of great favor. Now, if you're going to shout, this is the time to do it. You ready? Reach down, lace up your shouting shoes. Because what I'm about to show you ought to make you very happy. It ought to make you ready to shout. It's interesting that this passage of Scripture on several occasions, identifies a time period of seven years. Seven years. The famine would last for seven years. She would walk in the land of the enemy, sojourn there for seven years. And the scripture says, at the end of the seven years, listen, she didn't ask anybody's opinion. She didn't call up Elisha's cell phone and say, hey, it's been seven years. Can I go home? No, she just, she, just, she just went home. She said, God said seven years. It's been seven years. I'm going home. It's been nice for listings. I've enjoyed taking all your money from you. I've enjoyed taking all your food from you. I've enjoyed you taking care of me for the last seven years, but I've had a nostril full of it. I'm done with it. I'm going back home where I know that I belong. West Virginia, Blue Ridge Mountain, Shenandoah River. Oh, sorry, I don't know. I just, I sang that for too many years in my life. It just came to me. She said, I'm not, I'm, I'm not meant to live in the enemy's camp. I, I'm not meant to do life with the enemy. 
<laughs> Man, could I just preach there for just a minute? Some of you, you already got the promise of freedom in your life, but you can't get out of the enemy's camp for some reason. You like the enemy's camp too, too much. And you, you know where you're living right now is not going to be best for you. And you know where you're living right now is what's not going to produce God's best. But you just can't bring yourself to leave the enemy's camp. Listen, there are times we got to go into the enemy's camp. There are times that God commands us to go and sojourn among the enemy. There are times in, in spiritual warfare that we have to go into the enemy camp and take back what he stole from me. And take back what he stole from me. I'm taking back what you stole from me. I went to the enemy's camp and I, oh sorry, I, I just got carried, carried away again. Some of you just want to go to the enemy's camp and say, oh, they got good restaurants here. And, oh, I love their steak and I love, it's not a bad place to be. Listen, get out of the enemy's camp as fast as you can. Your blessing is not waiting for you in the enemy's camp. Go home, circle back, find your way back to the blessings of God. So she comes back and she died, decides when she gets there, she says, that's my house, that's my land. I'm not going to let anybody have it but me. It's mine. God gave it to me. It is rightfully mine. And I'm going to plead my case to the king. And the scripture tells us that when she went in to plead her case to the king, in the other room, there was a man in there by the name of Gehazi. You remember him? He was the man who served the prophet of God. And he was in there having a conversation with the king. And the king said, I want you to tell me about all the great things that Mr. Elisha did in his life. And he started just enumerating time after time after time after time. The miracles, the miracles that Elisha did. And then he got to the place where he started talking about this little Shunammite woman. And he said that God opened her womb and she gave birth to a child who died. And the prophet of God raised him back to life. And just at that that moment he turns and he says well I be Sergeant Carter there she is Shazam she just walked in at this very moment that's her right there and that man that boy that's him he's the one that was dead but is now alive and the king said come here ma'am he said, tell me about it. And she told him the story about how that Elisha had prayed over her and her womb was set free and the child was birthed and then died and then, was, then rose again. And you know what the king did? He said, go ahead and come help me. The king didn't say, go ahead and come help me quit. <laughs> but I did, because I, I need help. I love this. Listen to me, sometimes, sometimes we're just satisfied to get restoration. That, that, you know, we'd be perfectly happy if we could just get back what the enemy stole from us. That's all I need, that's all I want. Lord, it was taken from me. And if I can just get back what I once had, but that's never enough for God. God wanted to do more than just restore what she had one time had. 
You say, how do you know that? Well, all you got to do is read the text. He called and he said, I want somebody to appoint an official to go with this lady and give back every inch of her land that was hers before. If she owned it, take it back. Now here's what happened. In, in times of famine, the government would come in and they would take the land because they had to have places to grow whatever crops they could grow. They knew that they weren't going to grow big crops, but they had to grow something so that they could feed as many people as possible. So when the Shunammite lady left, the king took over her land and he managed it for seven years. And he had records of all of the all of the boundaries of her land as far as it stretched to the east and to the west and the north and the south he knew exactly what was hers and he said he said give her everything that was hers but I also want you to give her everything that was grown on her land for the last seven years Whatever it was, give it to her because it is rightfully hers. Some of us are just satisfied to get the restoration when all the time God wants to add the reward for your faithfulness. God wants to bless you because you were faithful in the hard times. God wants to bless you because when the sun wouldn't shine and when the blessings wouldn't come, you refused to give up. You kept standing in faith, believing that if my God is on my side, who can be against me? I will not give up. I will not give in. I will not run from the enemy, but I will stand and square my shoulders in faith and believe that when the time is right, God will send forth the, the, the answer that we need. And he'll not, only, he'll not only restore, but he will reward. <laughs> I don't want to get into too much because I want to wait until the meeting because I want to share some things I think you're going to celebrate with me, but it's real interesting to me. We have fought. We have fought some hardships around here in the legal world and in the legal realm that we've simply not been able to get for seven years. Did you hear that? Seven years. And we did everything that we knew to do in the flesh. We walked in the enemy's camp for seven years. But two days after the seventh year anniversary, God broke the legal curse 
over this church and delivered us and set us free. Listen, you can stay in the enemy camp if you want to. But I ain't staying in some place where I'm not destined to be. You can stay there all you want to. But I'm telling you today, God has breakthrough in store for you. And if you will be man enough or woman enough to pack your bags and walk out of the enemy's camp, God will restore you and reward you for your faithfulness. He loves you. Will you stand with me this morning?